Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today, we have a very good friend from a very good organization that we, we work very, very closely with um, that fight the good fight around application security. And it's a topic that we don't talk almost at all. <laughs> no, jokes aside, I have the, the, the very good pleasure to, to welcome on the show Liran Tal. Uh, that is the director of development advocacy for Sneak, but a very good and a proactive contribution across uh, software and developer community and cybersecurity community of recent GitHub stars and very involved with the open source community. But I'll stop blabbering about your profile. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let, I'll give you the microphone to you. Tell us our audience a little bit where you're coming from, why you do what you do, and uh, what's the path for the future. Oh wow! Thanks. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff to answer. Uh, <laughs> well, Francesco, thank you for having me and inviting me to the podcast. I'm I'm really happy to be here. Um, so I'm basically a software engineer, you know, doing web security activism, and I love doing open source software. So all of that um, did together, and the fact that I, I love and you know been part of like the JavaScript and Node.js community, kind of like brought me into essentially doing developer advocacy for Sneak, which is a developer-first security company. Uh, so basically, kind of like my uh, uh, my mission in life. <laughs> Your why. <laughs> yes, my why. Why I wake up every, uh, you know, every morning, uh, you know, happy. Not at 7 or 8 a.m. That's not happy, but a bit later. I'm <laughs> not uh, a morning person. Uh, but I do wake up very happy uh, doing uh, my job, which is not really my job. It's actually my passion and what I really love doing. And that is working with developers and helping them. And I love security. I love open source. I love JavaScript, all of those things. I love building software, building projects. And I do that um, you know, at Sneak and, and my off hours. Uh, but I'd like to help developers also do that in a very secure way. And there's like a ton of things that we could uh, you know, just generally uh, you know educate you know each other in this community about how to build things correctly uh, what are some pitfalls to be uh, aware of and stuff like that so this is what i do on many levels of developer advocacy so this is me a bit brilliant no thank you very much and thank you for coming to the show it's a thing is an episode that i wanted to do since very long time <laughs> but maybe for, for who can't see you or who doesn't follow you on twitter Tell me one thing. Why the hat? <laughs> What's with the hat? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a good hat. No, it's it it's it's Yoda. And Yoda is a very is a very interesting, smart creature. Uh which if you follow or not follow the Star Wars uh uh you know uh, I want to say trilogy, but it's not a trilogy anymore. <laughs> it's a saga. Is is a anything anything nowadays is becoming a very That's long true. season episode. Hence <laughs> why season three. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Check out some of uh, Yoda's quotes, and I think uh, you know it, it might help you in life. So I like that symbol. No, I, I, I love that. I love it. it. Gives it gives an edge, and it gives you a, a nice, interesting approach on. Um, <laughs> The question is, why don't you speak like you on some of the, on some of the presentation? Maybe I should. 
we'll see how that goes. Just, just the intro, just the intro. See, well, cybersecurity is, is an easy topic, so we can just talk reverse and everybody will understand it maybe better. <laughs> an easy topic, cybersecurity is. Very easy. So how did you stumble across, you know, uh, cybersecurity? How did you start getting involved in this industry? And maybe then as a full-on question, what is your overview of the current state of, of uh, the industry? Yeah. Um, well, I think I got to it uh, at a very uh, young age, so I won't go back into my tens. But basically, uh, you know, I was part of a lot of like hacking scenes and hacking groups, uh, you know, in Israel and stuff like that. So like I always had a passion, um, that curiosity of like you know being uh, you know being part of uh, you know back then it was freaking and stuff like that. But this was like the early days. Uh, so I, I this is like just to give the context where I was like always or of of like security. I didn't intentionally intend to like put myself into like an app sec role, like be a cybersecurity person because I loved building software as well. So like I, I took that route, like just building things. Um, but, you know, amazingly things, you know, closed circles um, mm -hmm. and things like that in life. So got big, got back into doing this. And I think, um, like I was saying before, I think my, my pivotal moment of doing like a developer advocacy role uh, with Snake was that and a couple of years back before, you know, joining Snake, um, I think at 2018, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what happened is I was already like part of like the Node Foundation security working group. So I was like doing right. this activism um, kind of like, like as a hobby. I was writing a book on Node uh, essential security topics. So I was doing a lot of things in security and just doing that now kind of like very much uh, uh, intertwined into like I want to do this full time. I want to help you know create a secure open source ecosystem and help secure a lot of developers and what they build. Uh, so this is how I got into into doing this really full time. Oh, brilliant! And and I think a lot of the story of of people that stumble across cybersecurity and then grow in this world. Um, and and as I said, cybersecurity is nothing else than doing things correctly. So it's it's not. <laughs> uh, I think we we tend to classify, and that's maybe our mistake as as an industry. We tend to classify this as a different thing. It's just yep. a mindset, in my opinion. Cybersecurity is a mindset, and that's why we have uh, maybe the challenge between cybersecurity people and developers. That it's the same thing. <laughs> it's just doing things right and being aware of certain things. Um, yes, I agree. But maybe a lot of awareness. Yeah, and maybe as a follow-on on that, um, what do you see right now on, on, on the industry? Are you, are you seeing like an evolution on the industry? Are we getting better or are we getting more confused? You know, we had the, the, the massive log4j, but also on the, on the good news side, we had Microsoft and Google teaming up to, to uh, fundamentally um, inspect a lot of open source tools. I'm afraid that we're going to get slammed with a million CV on the consequence of that and panic mode. But what do you think? Yeah, well, I have the, you know, the very specific uh, lens most of the time, which is uh, a lot about open source security. So how do we do, how do we build uh, in an open source manner uh, securely thing? So that means mm -hmm. essentially open sources, uh, the, I don't have to say it's growing. It's like it's it's, it's already massive and huge, and it's still growing. Uh, and the adoption of it and building software based on that. So that essentially brings into light the fact that now we need to be responsible of all of those uh, open source libraries that we as developers build, maybe contribute, maybe maintain. And that is a very wide topic that's essentially taking a lot of, um, 
I think a lot of focus for many, many organizations, individual maintainers, and you know, foundations like the Open uh, Security, uh, Open Source Security Foundation, uh, mm -hmm. the Open SSF, right? Like it's supply chain security in the sense of what's in my supply chain as a developer. So everything from my code uh, to the dependencies that track my code to where does this get built on some, you know, CI server somewhere that needs to run securely, not expose secrets, uh, not leak data from, you know, collaborators who maybe fork the project and you might accidentally, you know, be exposing secrets and stuff like that. There's an mm -hmm. entire ecosystem across your, you know, your SDLC or software development lifecycle that's supply chain related. And I think that is a huge topic, whether you're a developer who is like front end, back end, supply chain, and build, basically building today cloud native applications, um, you are very much responsible to, to security. I've had, a, I've had an interesting uh, tweet back then. It had, uh, had interesting replies to it as well. I said, like, every engineer is a security engineer. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the topic, security is everybody's yes. job and nobody's job. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite topic. Someone told me, someone replied and said, every, what was it? It was every engineer is a vulnerability or something like that. I was like, <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> every engineer is a vulnerability engineer. But I think, um, I think there is a, a truth in that. There is cybersecurity is not different from software development, but it's, it's, it's a mindset and awareness and the ramification of the possibility of attack and the mindset of threat modeling, uh, in my opinion, I think it's something that we need to educate. So there is a there is an element of education, but it's an element of also uh, looking at it and prioritizing, and you know, not getting flooded by alert because, as you rightfully say, any software company right now is using open source in a way, shape, or another. I don't believe any single project that has been built from scratch. <laughs> So it's, it's a problem that is, is is everywhere. So being aware, but also prioritizing, because as as well as as as, as me, you know that any organization that start on this path will start scanning and will get inundated by a number of findings. So how do organizations see through that sea of data and you know get their their head around a structured approach on this problem? Yeah. Um... Well, it's a tough question, I guess, because it, it really depends on where you are, um, mm. like on, you know, on the on the on the graph. And so, uh, whether you're like starting small or not, it depends what you're doing and you know how branched you are. And of course, you know, enterprises have a lot, you know, bigger risk issues that are like a ton of moving parts that they need to like account for. Um, but I want to give like maybe a I want to give a plug for something. There's like this uh, uh, puppet has this uh, DevOps uh, state of state of DevOps kind of things report, mm -hmm. uh, which they've been doing for you know several years, uh, and it had an interesting uh, observation into you know they have been surveying a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, you know many people doing open source and DevOps, and what they found is an interesting insight. They like took they looked took all of the survey respondents on a specific you know couple of topics and questions. And they've put them on like uh, five kind of maturity levels. And what they saw is that if you're if you if you are very mature in your DevOps uh, practices, like you're like level four and five, you are doing really great on mm -hmm. security, right? Because you already like embraced everything that's like part of the DevOps culture. So adding security in terms of uh, you know how do you protect the organization as a whole doesn't slow down the organization. An interesting uh, found, uh, finding that they had is that uh, 
that on level one and level three, so like those that are less much, like not mature at all, and those that are like just in the middle, those in the middle really have a harder time than those that just started. And that is because those in the middle are kind of like working on a lot of technical debt. So like there's like a lot of refactoring and a lot of like changes. I need to like get things going and they're like writing, uh, you know, uh, driving against time essentially. So getting security and everything else is, you know, is a bit of a pain. But once you get through that hand, that hurdle, everything kind of like, you know, opens up and it's like amazing and rainbow and it's, you know, in the sky and stuff like that. Uh, but that's what it means, right? Like, and, and so essentially to like answer your question, I think, there's a lot of tooling and like risk assessment and application security kind of like uh, management and posture of like, how are you doing? And there's everything from the dependencies that you use to the licenses that they have, which is by the way, a legal risk, not even a security yeah. risk in that sense. Uh, everything from like your uh, cloud native uh, infrastructure in production. So like runtime, what are you doing? Uh, there's there's just a lot. And I think- Container, out of the time, infrastructure, container, you know, yes. And pipeline themselves. <laughs> pipelines, yes, misconfigurations, which is a really uh, very recurring, uh, you know, cloud uh, infrastructure uh, risk, uh, which I can talk about that for hours specifically because like, oh my God, like we have, we have like, I call it as we have democratized IT resources, right? Now everything is basically software. It's not as it used to be a decade yeah. or two back. It's you, you want to spin up a, a queue, you want to spin up an email server, you want to spin up new boxes, whatever, just write some code that's basically declarative or, I don't know, maybe imperative, that defines what you need and you deploy it. Then you get, you know, that amount of like, you know, CPU power in the cloud and everything around it. Like everything has been democratized and abstracted by software. Uh, and it's at the hands of everyone. That's what I said. That's why I said like before. As a, as a developer building, that is, by the way, matter if like front-end or back-end, front-end people, you know, I talk to them a lot, they don't realize they're like front-end cloud-native developers because <laughs> you build on Vercel and Netlify and that has configuration as well. And if you misconfigure like a function incorrectly or something, you know, it has, you know, a function on the cloud, it has implications. Right. Uh, so kind of like we have as developers now, a lot of uh, attack surface and responsibility. Exactly, that's, that's part of it. That's... And greater power comes greater responsibility. We want Spider-Man. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we, think... can, we can travel there. Yes, but I think maybe it's too much. Maybe it's the shift left. I don't know. I have a feeling that the shift left is, is delegation left on, 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 a, on, a, on a, my perspective. And, and the more executive and the more conversation we, we had, it's like developer, you're responsible for security, just fix security. It's true, we've been banging the drum for security is everybody's job, but then needs also direction and, and kind of a harmonic work together because I always see that as you know, people that build a house need direction, need structure. If you do, if you're not aware where to look or how the house should look like, everybody build their own way, and then we find in the middle of Frankenstein house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, you're right. Like we need to help developers, and I think the whole developer first kind of like uh, I think both mindset, right? That we're kind of talking a lot about is yeah, we're we are empowering developers in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Also, like you don't expect uh, I don't know, or do you maybe expect like developers to build also. Uh, let's say performance applications, do, do they need to be accessible? So like you are within web accessibility guidelines for people with disabilities. 
maybe they do you do they need to write tests or, the, or do we just like keep a, you know a team of QA people writing all the tests and we free developers from that burden as well right. so it's and and maturity probably yeah maturity <laughs> as well right like all of this and the thing is i think it's Yes, we are Again, expecting a lot of people from people, but that is because we want quality software. We want to build quality software. No, but I think we expect that as a standard, where standard is not, uh, both from a security, mm. from QA perspective, from testing perspective, from usability, and so on. I think yeah. just expanding on, we expect every developer to be <laughs> built in the same way and come out of sure. development school or any kind of school. Well truth of the matter is not um yeah i hope that's changing though i hope that's changing like there's a lot more awareness and a lot more educational programs boot camps you know uh programs like you know women uh and stem groups and stuff like that women in cybersecurity, stem groups so i think a lot of awareness goes into cybersecurity, and i think a lot of recent events anything from you know, solar winds to log4j to recently open source sustainability issues with like colors and faker um coa uh you know malicious npm packets like stuff like that really makes it into the news i think we need to help developers yes yes so we need to help them but i think the 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 need the want to build secure uh professional high quality software is there we don't need to like convince anyone they get it This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. Follow the tag, hashtag AppSecSmart. Yeah, no, they, they get it. Uh, and I think it's at this point in time, it's, it's bringing the organization together and saying, okay, now that you want to build software and quality software, you actually need to dedicate more time and it's not uh, first things that come, first things that goes out. So it's also balance between usability, new feature requirements and... Uh, security requirement, as well as the time that it takes to build decent software and iteration and, and kind of a balance between um, speed and quality. And actually on that subject, I wanted to pick your brain on on something. Um, we had at the Open Forum some time ago a, a, an intense discussion of what was the real true core of DevSecOps. It's like speed of development equals security because you react fast and you can develop fast and smaller change, or is security actually a broader spectrum, take your time, assess it, and so on? What is the best security uh, stand of a team? Going fast mean, or doing an assessment? Between those two. Yeah, between those two. Which one will, will be your preference or which one? And don't answer yeah. me, it depends. <laughs> no, I don't think it kind of depends. I just think it's... I think it's both of them. Now that it's one of them, I think it's both of them. I think that's kind of like what uh, the book Accelerate actually have, uh, which stemmed a lot from that puppet uh, DevOps secu- uh, state of DevOps thing reports uh, talked about, which is you do not need to sec- basically building uh, maintainable software and shipping it fast doesn't come uh, on top of like sacrificing mm-hmm. security or anything else. That's kind of the thing, right? Because if you are able to deploy, you know, 
something, a commit or whatever, like a production feature in two minutes to production and it goes through all of the pipelines and it's there. And if and that's like really fast, you're like very mature on, you know, like like probably on like the 5% of people, organizations that are doing that in the world. But at the same time, even if that has a serious security issue, right, whatever that is, you found out about it, rolling back and, you know, basically uh, taking the step back with what you need to do. Mm-hmm. is as fast right it's like five minutes afterwards that's what it kind of that's what it kind of like talks about so it's not about sacrificing i think you should definitely do practices like threat modeling and you know secure design all of those should still happen they shouldn't be sacrificing anything else so security and DevSecOps, i think is basically enabling teams to develop right. really fast but within a specific, you know, policy or guardrails, like right? like these are the stuff that you, you know, you should definitely not release something out where there's like, you know, five known critical security issues with that dependency. Maybe, you know, having, I don't know, like one medium or whatever, that's like mm-hmm. dev dependency somewhere or something else. That's a policy that maybe works for organization. And as we know, like in the security and cybersecurity field, out of the times, it's really about uh, risk tolerance, right? Like what risks right. are you accepting? It's a, uh, very, uh, I think, very timely to these days with inflation and everything going on. It's like, you know, not investing or not doing something else is it's a decision that you're making. So also not investing in security, that's you're basically have now taken a risk uh, on, you know, of you, essentially you've explicitly taken a risk not to invest in security mm-hmm. and create a big, you know, uh, you know, risk for your organization. So. I think yeah, that's not kind taking of an goes. action so, is actually taking an action. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you're you're explicitly basically doing that by deciding not to. I, I like the idea. I like, I like where the discussion was going on on the risk aspect and the risk perspective because it's it turns the discussion away from the traditional uh, pushback from security or the traditional discussion that we have in security of you know if you have high, if you have medium, if you have critical without any context whatsoever, that's bad. That's not atomically bad. As you rightfully say, is deciding where to go, which one to accept as a risk or as an organization contract, and then letting developer do what they, they are meant to do. Um, but also, you know, I think there is, I've seen a shift or I've seen kind of two kind of divide between organization that are maybe cloud native, more modern, that are more engineering focused, and then the traditional, you know, financial institution or more traditional enterprise that don't have that engineering background and power and struggle to understand. In the new world, they're much more keen to actually do DevSecOps and be more aligned. In the old world, I find that um, it's a bit more challenging. And the language that could work potentially for both is risk, because ultimately we, we talked in risk, but we, we struggle to, to put that risk, a quantification. we struggle to put these terms in software development for some reason. Why is that? Why yes. do you think it's that? Well, I think it's not that easy to quantify risk because a lot of the time security is kind of like an invisible thing, right? Like mm-hmm. as long as you haven't been breached, hacked, whatever, uh, malware, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> security risk kind of like uh, waiting for you if you're just not doing the right thing. Um, you know, un- until then, essentially, you think, hey, that's amazing. Like, it's it's not raining outside. Like, you know, it's fine. The moment it starts raining, the moment you have a security breach, the moment something bad happens, that is when you feel it. And, and it's very painful when that happens. But until that time, it's very much invisible. And I think uh, the sad part about it is also amazing security is also to an extent a little bit invisible, yeah, right? Like, yeah. if you're doing everything amazingly well, 
and no one hacks you, someone can say, hey, I don't know, we're doing fine. Let's let's take the security budget out because I think we're doing fine. Uh, but like it, it's it's because you have invested in security so well, right? Like because you have everything well. So I think that's the tricky part with getting security. And that's why it's so mm. important to like educate everyone and explain the risks are out there. You just have to like look around, right? Like just, you know, you read headlines or all the time about like the oil rig in the US, whatever got hacked because of you know, whatever happened there. But it's it's everywhere. It's states, uh, it's, you know, nation states, it's professionals, it's hobbyists, it's script kiddies running, you know, fuzzers of the mating tool, whatever. It's just all the time. Just you know, if you want to feel it happening, put up, uh, you know, put up a just box open somewhere. A port. Exactly. And, and look at the logs and tell me. Oh my God. And just look at it and see how many attempts you get. I think someone will share this on, they just installed like an SSH thing uh, mm-hmm. on my Twitter feed. It was like, you know, a week or like last week. I don't know if you've seen that, Francesco, but they, they just said, I, I just put up a box uh, somewhere on the cloud. It had an SSH open and they had like logged all the incorrect attempts. And it was, you know, within hours of it being up, like a new IP address, whatever. Actually, there's no like new IP address, but whatever. Uh, you know, just a new box. Uh, because, yeah, because IP addresses are finite, so like it's not really new. It just it just switched <laughs> from someone else to you. Uh, but um, but anyway, yeah, like you know, you you get you get you know you get scanned. You know, showdown is there's like a ton of stuff happening in this uh, mm-hmm. in this world that are like really dangerous. And so I think it really comes down to internalizing that security is important. A must. Like, yes, it's. I don't think it's important. It's a must nowadays. True. I, I don't think you can you can. You can say I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my door unlocked because I trust the community. I don't think yeah. I mean, between trust and risk assessment is two different things. And and back in software development, any company is a software company. So anything Definitely. is commoditized, any company now is moving to the cloud. So you you can't afford anymore to say, you know, remove the security budget. But maybe I can optimize the security budget. In order True. to optimize, you need to measure it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Right, you don't know if if something is there, if something is not there. Yeah, and have I to think, take some decisions as well. Yeah, and I think the risk kind of I like the, the idea of risk because it kind of democratizes and quantification. It kind of shows their value, or at least give you a, an assessment. Or if you can run an assessment of your whole uh, organization, then you know where you are and you stand, and then you can make database decision or risk based decision. And you can also see the impact of security. If security is, is stable, if the risk is stable, then that's a value that is not increasing. I think we need to move, we need to mature a little bit more on, on just threat fighting and just guessing into more pragmatic approach and maybe not shying away from application security programs that are well-established practice. I don't know why we never put it together or, or it's so hard to, to, to deploy it. What do you think? Systematic that, application security programs or cloud security programs. Let's put it this way. Uh, and how would how would it impact, I guess, the business or the the individual? What are you like expecting there? Those programs to do? Uh, I think it's it's more of a systematic approach. It's like as you rightfully say, it's the shift from the, the DevSecOps or DevOps. Yeah. It's from immature to mature, and it's consistently measure where you are, and then kind of building their muscles. And is a systematic approach of um, you know a, a series of activity like threat modeling or education or measuring risk or assessing a number of things and saying are we good yeah. are we bad where is our target next month and continuously doing that so that it becomes natural it, reviewing the reviewing a backlog of vulnerability 
and planning next sprint what to fix it's a natural muscle that every team does but until you bring every team in that kind of exercise or threat modeling or i don't know uh, analysis of that data to see what are we doing wrong like everybody doing cross-site scripting maybe we should look at cross-site scripting why we keep on doing this or maybe yeah. we have a node image this deploy 400 times uh, and yeah. maybe we can fix that image or that specific library in a central place. So it's yeah. it's moving from a reactive approach into a programmatic approach into a proactive approach. And I think in, in all the years that we've been going at it, I think I've seen a dent in OWASP and the recognition of, you know, we are aware of yeah. web security vulnerability. We are getting ahead of the curve on detecting. Now we need to jump on the next stage of, I think, cybersecurity is proactive or optimized or data-driven cybersecurity. And that, that's that's my, yeah. my, my baby. <laughs> so, oh, what no, do you I think? like it. I, I, think, I think it makes sense. I think systematic uh, approach to it uh, is kind of like what we should be doing. Um, I think it's also just how do we, how do, how do you deploy or employ a systematic approach? Right. And so asking developers again, like to read and review, uh, like, you know, a 500 pages PDF full of like security uh, insights, it's not really helpful just because like, you know, it's very, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff there and like it's, they need security team expertise as well. You don't get paid Remember, enough to actually spend every night reviewing a security report. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically back to traditional security, I guess. So like if you can help them, like be proactive, and so like they get to where people are. So if you are, I don't know, if you're like building Docker images all day, like that's what you do as a DevOps person or something else. Mm -hmm. Like if you have the, you know, in the CLI, if you're like once you do, you know, Docker scan or something like that, and you have security findings there, that kind of meets you where you are. That integrates with your workflows, and that's a lot easier to then reason about and 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 kind of like mandate or you know, at least make that kind of default workflow. If you're a developer and you're building software and like you're all the time just you know looking at code, merging pull requests and stuff like that then you'd want a tool that actually opens pull requests and tells you, hey, I need to update this and that version. And it actually helps you do that. So you do not need to like spend time reviewing it. There's like a proactive approach, but this essentially helps you basically remediate the vulnerability. I think that is kind of like where we're, we're seeing the shift happening, really. Mm -hmm. And what's your take on, on auto-fix, on auto-remediation versus manual assessment? What, what's your stand on auto upgrade or auto fix or auto remediation because I was I yeah. was been a little bit on the border of that debate. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Think? Um, I think it has to be there. I think you can't build fast software without auto automatic uh, like aspects to it. It's you know this is essentially what DevOps is is automating mm -hmm. a lot of those things. Uh, you can't move fast without automating uh, without you know having someone else drive the world who's not you know they are not human. Um, and so that takes us not only to automating fine, but also automating fix and remediation. And if you can do it, like why not at the end of the day, what happens is security people meet with the developers and tell them, hey, you need to do, I don't know, I, I looked at your code, I code reviewed it, and you are not using parameter binding for this SQL query. 
right? If they are doing that, why not have a SaaS tool that actually does the same thing and tells you what you need to do? Like that's kind of the same thing. So that's kind of like, you know, uh, maybe a small plug here uh, for Snake, but that's kind of like the, ex the real life example. Like there's an IDE plugin that you can install and it looks at your code and says the same thing. Like it actually mm -hmm. even gives you like uh, example of commits that show you how others fix the issue. So like that is the proactive way of doing it. This is, it's kind of taking what developers, at least in JavaScript, have uh, embraced a lot, like the linters, where they, mm -hmm. they run a linter, right, before even the tests or something. They run a linter, see that the code style, uh, you know, all of that looks fine. Uh, at the same time, why not say, hey, you know, I found that parameter binding there. So technologically wise, this has been hard in the past because SAS tools have been kind of like slow and not having the right context, et cetera. But it's not the case anymore. There are tooling out there that allows you to like get those insights super fast to the extent of while you actually, you know, save the code in your IDE. So if you can do that, I have I see like no reason why not doing this. And it's mm. anywhere from that to open source uh, 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 vulnerabilities. And I, you know what, maybe to container runtime and configuration in the cloud and stuff like that as well. But we, we have the case where things break, you know, we have regression testing and things. So there is always the debate. And, you know, we, we had we had several people in the community uh, that, you know, we had an auto upgrade on WordPress for, for, for just a second. And half of the half of the world broke, uh, you know, True. it's but it's not even security. Let, let's let's ignore for a second security mm. dependencies for software. There's you know, there is a. I can I can count several times where the ecosystem broke because someone uh, you know released a bad version or a malicious version or whatever right. or just took a dependency out of the ecosystem and millions of builds in the ecosystem in the in the world got hit by it. You know, not recently. Uh, sorry, actually, recently. Very uh, recently. It, it very recently, colors and faker as dependencies getting downloaded millions of times in the JavaScript ecosystem. It impacted the ecosystem unrelated to security at all. So you know, we have that automation if we want it or not. It's just mm. about how do we how do we handle it and what kind of measures do we put around it. No, that that is brilliant. I think it's, it's a good it's a good uh, uh, point to 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 break it and and close the discussion. But we have a tradition here at uh, CSCP Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast that we we want we we discuss positive negative. I think it was a good balanced discussion. But we tend to close with a very positive message of where we are and where we're going on the industry. So, Liron, what is your positive message for the audience? So I think every engineer is a security engineer. I think I think we're going there. I think people are embracing security. Uh, I see, you know, I'm working and you know volunteering for a lot of uh, a lot of those, you know, boot camps and you know uh, uh, just like helping bring security awareness to developers. And I think that is getting embraced. So I definitely see that as something that's coming up and helpful. Uh, and I think the the future is bright in that sense. I think we'll have a bit more challenges on supply chain security, open source, and the impact of security to software. But I think where there's a lot of foundations, work, money, uh, people, hearts, you know, dedicated to solving that problem. That I think I'm hopeful that the next decade is going to be uh, a little bit better for everyone. It's a uh, it's a good opportunity to also maybe call out for you know, we're running this uh, uh, event called the Big Fix. The idea of mm -hmm. that is really uh, uh, you know, if you go to like the website, you know, just Google the big fix sneak or something like that, you basically uh, uh, need to register, scan your projects, fix them, uh, vulnerabilities, 
and uh, which we help you fix, of course, and you get a free T-shirt. So like we're trying to really give you all the incentives. Incentivized. Possible. Yes, all the incentives possible to help you fix security issues in your open source projects, side projects, night projects, baby projects, work projects, whatever. Uh, so yeah, we'll probably uh, uh, you know share the link, I guess, on the stream or something. But uh, I think that's kind of the that that's our way to like try to help and create more awareness as well. No, I like the idea. We will put the show notes uh, with uh, every link that we discussed. But maybe uh, just just as a wrap up, where they can find you, uh, Liren? Cool. So I'm uh, on GitHub and Twitter. Uh, I'm actually using uh, different handles for those. So on Twitter, I'm Liran underscore Tal, and on GitHub, just Liran Tal uh, directly. Um, and uh, that's it. Like, you feel free to ping me. I'm happy to chat. My DMs are open. If you need any help, if you want to get into cybersecurity or chat on any topics, I'm there to help you. Brilliant. Thank you very much for the show. And everybody, thank you very much for listening to another Rumble Around Application Security, Cloud Security. It's, uh, I think it's a natural convergence. And please scan your repository, do your security assessment. And it's out there. It's, almost free but you can find a version where it's free and it just it takes so little to be more secure so this is Francesco Cipollone your host Liran thank you so much for coming on the show and everybody stay safe thank you we hope you enjoyed today's episode please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com. 